what's up, and so many copycat channels uploading my shows for me anyway. But we can't forget the THC's account here is on thin ice. And so the YouTube version of the show has to be prefaced with this little PSA, only to say that episodes that contain the kinds of themes that have been regularly banned on YouTube will not appear here. And even with that precaution, there's already enough in the archive to get us removed. So remember that the higher side chats could be banned or put in timeout again at any time. And I won't be able to tell you guys about it. So if you feel like it's been too long since you've heard from me here on this digital, dystopian, draconian, data mining monster of a police state seeking platform, your first step should be to check the HigherSideChats.com for the latest shows. Alright? Alright. Enjoy. Brace yourself, because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechats.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, four videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the higher side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss, so become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. Thanks, Greg, for having me back. 
Yes, man. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate all your time that you've given us. And you know that I like to have a little fun with those intros, but the reality is... <laughs> a little, yes. <laughs> yes. But, you know, these are really heavy times, and many people are struggling to keep it together. We're really being hit on all sides, and now we're going into a holiday season that is essentially canceled for a lot of people. So there is no release. There is no end-of-the-year reminder of what we do it all for. I worry for people, and I don't really know how to help them, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a mess, you know. It's <laughs> 2020, I think, has just been kind it's of the icing on the last four-year cake, you know. <laughs> it's just, it's just unreal. But, you know, I think that everybody's attention is focused on this election. And I know for my part that you would not believe, Greg, I have been getting an absolute deluge of articles from pretty much everybody that's a member of my website <laughs> on this election. And I think it's pretty clear to most people that there is, I wouldn't even say it's a heavily manipulated election. I would say it's a heavily fraudulent election. They've really pulled out all the stops on this one. And the question to my mind is a disturbing one. How is it that one political party, the Democratic Party, number one, became so radicalized so quickly? Now, I happen to think that it's been a long, slow process yeah. that's been going on for decades. But That's what I wonder At about. least to the public imagination, it's How did it happened rather so quickly. Ra that raises the question. So quickly. We're watching such blatant... I mean, I don't know about you, Greg. It's I was up weird. watching YouTube feeds of the election, and then when they stopped the counts in some of those swing states... My immediate reaction was, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, it's like, how that So I went so to bed fast. in the United States and woke up the next day with an inbox of emails full of people shouting, fraud, 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 you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I woke up in the Weimar Republic. And, <laughs> and it raises the question for That's me, funny. having looked at some fraud? of the allegations he that people are making. Fraud? Not even necessarily Trump's lawyers, just people putting out their YouTube videos. And looking at some fraud? of this, I'm wondering, why would That's you have weird. a major political party committing fraud so blatantly? Because they're out of their mind. And this is what gives me pause more than the <laughs> fraud itself. Why do it so blatantly? What's the real design here? What are they after? Are they that panicked to get Mr. Biden in office, or is there a much deeper agenda? Right, and I had the same questions about 9-11. Obviously, this big thing happened in the middle of one of the most populated places there are, and, and right. had a large amount of eyes on it, but, you know, if they use some kind of exotic technology that people don't even understand how it works, then maybe they felt like they could get away with it, but I have the same question here. The obvious fraud, it's like you know, you could do this with computer software and things like Operation Scorecard, and right. and you could do it pretty quietly, but it seems like they wanted it to look obvious. Yeah, this is what bothers me. Now, you know, I've entertained the speculation that we're watching something where the fraud is so in your face, the claims being made are so ridiculous. I mean, for crying out loud, how does someone who runs a non-campaign 
and can't get 30 people to a rally, you know, to stand in his circles, <laughs> you know, how does this qualify, number one, as a presidential campaign? And number two, how does he manage to gain even the legitimate votes that he got? You know, that's number one. So I'm thinking we're looking at kind of a Warren Commission type operation here where the story that's put out is so ridiculous that it's a kind of a social engineering operation in and of itself to get people to buy into a narrative. And, you know, if you can get people to accept the ridiculous and go along with it, then you can get them to do pretty much anything. And I entertain that part of it, but on the other part of it, and my problem here, and I'm not trying to denigrate Mr. Trump's supporters or anything, but my other problem here is, okay, there were repeated indications on the part of Mr. Trump and his administration and his campaign that they saw this coming, and they clearly did. You go back and look up tweets and comments and so on and so forth for a couple of months prior to the election. Well, if that's the case, why wasn't anything done about it then? Mm -hmm. This is my problem here. Both sides were ginning up this election as a contested election prior to the election. Right. So my problem here is what are we really watching and who's really manipulating? And quite frankly, I think both sides are. And, you know, the poor voter is caught in between here. But the bottom line for me is with such massive fraud, how can you have a republic? Answer, you can't. (laughs) Right, right. And that's definitely a good setup. And let's get into some of those details so people know exactly what we're talking about because I thought it would be obvious to a lot of people but through the conversations I'm having with regular folks it seems like it's all perfectly set up for people to be able to see exactly what they want to see regardless of what side they're on I think it's pretty obvious that when we went to bed Trump had more votes than Biden and when we woke up suddenly they found tens of thousands of votes that made (laughs) his vertical line jump straight up and that seems pretty odd I've read some uh, reports from people who are professional statisticians who say this just doesn't happen. This is a degree of magnitude that goes over the mean and it just can't happen statistically. This is why we have statistics and we know how things are going to play out to a degree once a certain percentage uh, of votes have come in. And, you know, they did set us up for this too because they said, well, it's all of Biden's voters who are going to be mailing in their ballots. They're going to be afraid to go to the polls. So when those mail-in ballots are counted, expect them to be overwhelmingly for Biden. And that, you know, is a convenient thing to set up for people when this actually rolls out. But most of the Trump supporters that I know, and obviously it's anecdotal because it's a small sample size, but people of your generation who I know back in the Midwest, they weren't going to the polls because they do have concerns about COVID. So I know... A, a, a lot of Trump voters who did mail in their ballots. It doesn't make sense that they would only go to one candidate. So I guess I would ask, you know, when it comes to this election fraud, where do you see it being most obvious and what aspects and threads have concerned you the most? Well, I have the same view that you do. The things that seem most obvious to me are the sudden discovery of all these votes for Mr. Biden in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, as I like to call it. Hmm. The problem is when you get stories 
of you know hundreds of thousands of votes. I think I saw one story in Michigan, for example, that something like a hundred thousand votes were all one hundred percent for Mr. Biden. <laughs> Now I'm sorry, folks, if you have a genuine random sampling of a tranche of votes. Some of those are going to be for Mr. Trump. So, in other words, this is a clear case, prima facie, that someone's just busily filling out ballots. And I suspect, as many do, that they stop the counts because they realize that they were just getting stopped in the actual votes. So they stop the count to figure out how many votes do we need to come up with so that Mr. Biden wins. Well, the problem here that I have, and I go back to what I said previously. If you're stuffing a vote, you want to make awful sure, unless you're Lyndon Johnson, of course, with Box 13, but you want to make awful sure that you don't give any red flags to the votes that you're stuffing. In other words, you would want to stuff votes with a certain percentage of them for the opposing candidate. Right. But they didn't do that. So this makes me wonder, are we watching yet another kind of double-edged operation are we watching someone stuffing votes for biden in the hopes to embroil his campaign mm. or pardon me his non-campaign in all of these allegations of voter fraud this is the question i have and it needs to be asked you know i don't mean to be upsetting trump voters but this is yet another possibility we are dealing after all with the deep state and they are as byzantine as they can be when it comes to stuff like this so i have to pose that question the fraud in other words is once again it's so blatant and i don't think anybody with a rational mind can look at it as any other way than fraud well it's so blatant why would you do it that way this is my problem and it raises the question has the democratic party and the republican party have both been known and caught in actual voter fraud and manipulation of election but it, at least in the past they did it with a little bit of finesse yes, you know yes. it's the absence of finesse here <laughs> exactly <laughs> that bothers me it's almost as if all of a sudden the democratic party became incompetent at voter fraud you know and I'm sorry, I'm just not by. I saw, Greg, I saw an article from some newspaper in Philadelphia where a mafioso capo <laughs> was, was involved in stuffing ballots. And I'm thinking, okay, did the mafia all of a sudden lose, lose its competency? There's nothing about this that rings true to me. You know, there just is absolutely nothing about this that rings true. Right. And I figure, as always, it seems like political puppet masters have been gaming elections for as long as there have been elections but yes sure lack of finesse and i have been scratching my head over why it was done so obviously especially in the digital age when it just seems like using voter software uh, you know a software-based approach that could take that algorithm and just make it two percentage points higher doing the minimum manipulation required right. they could do it in that kind of way but The espionage angle is something I really hadn't considered. Well, yeah, this is the other part of this. We're now, if you're following Trump's lawyers right now and the cases that they're trying to build, it seems fairly clear, again, you know, prima facie without having yet had any of this heard in court, but it seems pretty evident that, number one, we're dealing with voting software 
that has a history in certain states of being questioned for its lack of security, number one. That software in turn now has apparent connections to Venezuela, to Canada, to Spain, you know, and apparently to Germany. So, okay, right there, we've got foreign interference with the elections, you know. I'm sorry, but this is what it indicates to me. And if it's Venezuelan software that was put into the company that's a Canadian company and the votes are being tallied in Barcelona, Spain, (laughs) you know, all of this tells me that this system is a mess. And then on top of this, Greg, we've had these stories come out about all of these machines being hooked up to the internet. So we're dealing with lousy software with little security that anyone can hack into. (laughs) And again, on top of all of this, we have these stories about Mr. Trump with his advisors in some military skiff somewhere on election night watching all of this happen in real time. And some of the Trump supporters are putting out the idea, well, this was all a big op that was planned from the beginning so that they could catch them in the act. Well, I'm sorry. My problem with that is you don't put the country through a major constitutional crisis in order to score political points. If you're going to do that sort of thing, catch them in the fraud before an election. Mm -hmm. Don't let the election take place and put the whole country through hell be the Democratic part of the country or the Republican part of the country. So so I have questions all the way around here, and I'm not trying to ride hard on Mr. Trump. You know, there's clear fraud going on here, and the Democrats have been caught red-handed. But again, I go back to this lack of finesse. That raises alarm bells for me. It really, really does. Yes, and it should. And, of course, a lot of people were predicting that election night would be just chaos in the streets. There were a lot of photos of businesses boarding up their windows. And I really didn't think we would have chaos that night because I figured by the end of the night it would be such chaos that there still wouldn't be a clear winner, which there wasn't. And there's no reason to get super upset unless there's some kind of decision being made. And then, of course, a few days later there was that decision and... A lot of people who lean left just are happy to go along with it because they got what they wanted. And a lot of people feel as if this election is over because the media told them that it is. But I'm really not so sure. There are so many factors. Like you mentioned, there are lawsuits. The Electoral College has not voted yet. There's continuity of government protocols being talked about. There is a lot of speculation over the Supreme Court and the fact that Trump did put three people on there and they might uh, repay that favor in some certain way. So I just don't know. Even though it seems calm today to a degree, what do you think are the next things to watch for before these results are considered settled? Are there certain milestones or, or dates that you're looking out for? One date is December 8th when the Electoral College has to vote and submit the results. But I want to go back to something very significant that you said, and that is that the media called the election. Well, this is a problem that we have been living with ever since Truman versus Dewey. Remember that one in 1948 when President Truman was running against Trump Governor Dewey in New York. Concede. And, you know, when the polls closed, 
the polling sampling so looked the like media should Dewey never have won. said so, that you know newspapers around the country are printing up Dewey wins and you know you know the famous picture of President Truman holding up that paper when in fact President Truman had won that election you know when all was said and done and all the votes were counted but ever since then we have been living with the idea that the media calls elections well I'm sorry folks the media doesn't call elections <laughs> you know this is a constitutional republic so we've been kind of over the decades manipulated into thinking that media calls the elections and their calls are always accurate well we saw 2016 that was another dewey truman replay you know newsweek had already anointed hillary as the winner of the election and had their magazines all printed up with madam president and her smiling on the cover you know well things didn't work out that way so back to your question about where does this go I think there's a strong possibility that this goes Mr. Trump's direction because there are clear and egregious violations of the law in states like Georgia and Pennsylvania and so on and so forth. So if all of those votes that were added after the count was stopped are tossed out by the courts, and I can see no other way for the courts to rule if they follow the law. Well, if that happens, then I fully expect you're going to have elements on the left react. And, you know, if we thought the riots and so on that we've seen in the past few months were bad, think again. Mm -hmm. Because they are armed, they are well-financed, they are organized, and they're ready to go. So my real question here is, are we looking at a possible scenario where we end up with a genuine constitutional crisis where one person has been the projected winner and is accepted as the winner, and then it turns out, no, he's not the winner, and it's the other guy? Are we looking at a situation where you're going to have, you know, kind of like in the Middle Ages when you had two popes, you know, each claiming to be the only pope? Mm. <laughs> you know, are we, are we looking at that sort of situation? And when that happens, are we looking at a situation of two continuity of government operations in play at the same time? You know, this could be a real mess. But my question is, if that scenario is in play, why would the powers that be want to do that? Well, I'm thinking part of this is all one gigantic operation for aiding the financial reset. And here's why. And I'm going to pull from my friend Catherine Fitz here for a moment. She has been talking for some years about the fact that there's all sorts of missing money, number one, and number two, that there are obligations now, debt obligations, financial obligations that are so astronomical that Mr. Globaloni and Mr. Central Bankster have got themselves into a situation that they must walk away from those obligations somehow. Well, how do you do that? Particularly in this government's case. Well, you split the country. Literally, you split the country. And by doing so, if you create new legal entities, you literally are walking away from a lot of your obligations. And there's been a story that kind of supports what I think may be happening here, Greg. And again, I'm in the same boat everybody else is in. I'm reading tea leaves here. So this is pure speculation. But there was a story that has not really made the major media, but it did make 
the local media in Dallas, Texas, and that was that Governor Abbott in Texas, who has his own murky big pharma connections, but Governor Abbott was reported by a Dallas network television affiliate, and I've got a blog coming up this Saturday about this story, is reported as being in conversation with the NASDAQ stock exchange to move their data center from New Jersey to Dallas. Hmm. And the article also talked about they were in conversation with, quote, other exchanges, unquote. Now, Greg, this is a huge story because so much of equities trading and commodities trading on the big equities commodities exchanges, you know, New York for equities, Chicago for commodities. So much of trading now is being driven by computer algorithmic trading to move a data center from New York or let's say Chicago to Dallas means they're moving the trading itself. So in other words, if they're successful in doing that, the question is why would these big exchanges all of a sudden move from New York where they've been headquartered, you know, since the founding of the Republic or from Chicago to Dallas. Well, my answer is they want to, number one, get out of the blue states where they're being taxed to death and into a saner financial, political, and cultural climate. And that presages, I think, if not a de jure crack up of the country it it presages at least a de facto one Mm. and let's remember texas a few years ago actually created a state bullion depository so all of this to me is looking like there's a big game plan of some sort to crack the country up somehow in order to enable their financial reset so we'll see how this plays out I fully expect that if Trump should eventually end up the winner of this election, or if they simply cancel and have a a redo, you know, yeah, that's my reaction to that idea too. But um, if they do that, I fully expect that the left will go violent. And let's not forget, if Mr. Biden should win, you've got a huge voting block out there that will be very, very skeptical of anything that the Biden administration might do. I mean, the man is a senile dotard, and he's a kleptocrat. He's done nothing in his political career other than grift the government to enrich his family. So, you know, this will be an incredibly weak administration if Biden comes in. Mm -hmm. It will be just incredibly weak. And quite frankly, Greg, think that the China connection there is very disturbing because essentially we'll have a president who's an asset of China. Mm-hmm. So it's disturbing any way you look at it. So I'm thinking that we could expect some violent pushback on the part of the right as well. And that goes particularly if they try to ramp through any sort of radical agenda in the first two years of an administration like that. But here's the other problem since we're talking about election fraud, the Democrats were clearly expecting a blue wave. And all of a sudden, they lose seats in the House. And the incumbent picks up seats in the House. 
So in other words, Trump had major coattails in this election, but that didn't translate in the results we've seen thus far in the publicly pushed narrative. That didn't translate into votes for him. Right. So in other words, the down ballot elections were clearly showing that there was something going on in favor of Mr. Trump, and yet they're pushing a narrative where he lost. And again, that makes no sense. Yes, <laughs> yes. I thought that was pretty curious too. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it just makes no sense. So we're looking at a mess here. You know, if the objective was to create a constitutional crisis, they cooked up a doozy. <laughs> Right, and that's so provocative to think that maybe we'll see something like a restructuring of a company where they file bankruptcy, change their name, but yet you know the inner workings, the same people are kind of still at the top. Maybe they will do that for the country. And another thing I saw that was interesting is yesterday the head of the SEC, Jay Clayton, he said he's stepping down uh, at the end of this year, which is a year earlier than... Uh, he needed to, and that's quite interesting. Maybe he knows some of the stuff that you're speculating about. Well, the SEC, let's not forget, has promulgated regulations recently that are very similar to the FASB 56 regulations that the federal government promulgated, which basically takes, again, I'm with Catherine Fitz here, it basically takes the entire federal government budget black. So, yeah, they're literally trying to operate behind this wall of secrecy, and this is the other big problem. And again, you know, Catherine Fitz has pointed this out many times. Many other commentators have pointed out the problem of operating with everything behind this veil of secrecy. You cannot have a functioning society, civilization, culture, or republic where everything is in a black box. I mean, that's the Soviet Union, and look where it got them. <laughs> You know, you just can't do it that way. And even Mr. Gorbachev recognized that with his glasnost, which was openness, and perestroika, you know, in the final days of the Soviet Union. He recognized we've got to get out of this black box method of operating, otherwise we're going to lose it all. And of course, they lost it all. So, you know, this is also going on behind the scenes. So, yeah, I'm with you. I view his resignation as mighty peculiar under the circumstances. And by the same token, you've got resignations of the defense secretary, Esper, and then Trump putting in his own person as National Security Council counsel. So I think that this is portending a real knockdown, drag out fight, legally speaking, in the courts that may ripple over into the federal bureaucracy somehow. Nothing about this situation gives me any comfort. No, definitely not. And a lot of people out there have been watching this election, thinking that it's going to determine the direction of the COVID agenda. Obviously, that's on a lot of people's minds. And yes. we have one guy who's always wearing a mask and the other one who's making fun of him for wearing a mask and apparently got it and really nothing seemed to happen all that much and it's interesting because i am curious about that question as well how do you think the COVID agenda relates to the election do you think it's really going to be any different are we going to get the same thing either way well that's an excellent question and i think the COVID agenda has had a huge impact on the election in the following way 
In the months prior to the election, we were hearing the media reporting that Trump's support was soft, okay? And I tend to think that in this instance, they were reporting correctly because Trump did himself no favors by presenting Dr. Fausti, as I like to call him, <laughs> on an almost weekly basis with these ridiculous press conferences where the narrative kept changing until we finally decided, okay, we've got to lock down, socially distance, and wear nose bags. <laughs> and he did himself no favor equally when he started talking, well, we've got to get a vaccine, rush a vaccine out there, and maybe even get the military involved in distributing. Remember that one? Right. And I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm convinced that a lot of his support began to be soft precisely because that was the narrative that they perceived. There were a lot of people, myself included, that look at all these vaccines that they're growing up in their witches' cauldrons in their laboratories with a very jaundiced and skeptical eye because we were being told that these vaccines would be genetically engineered mitochondrial RNA vaccines that would tinker with your RNA. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want Monster Santo or IG Farben or Muck Pharmaceuticals, which is what I like to call Merck, I don't want any of these big pharmaceutical companies tinkering with my DNA. No. And the other problem here is, and I just blogged about this yesterday, the other problem here is when you genetically engineer something, like GMOs or vaccines, those are patents. And corporations own You can't change it back. So I'm wondering, is this vaccine thing with the genetic tinkering and in some cases they admit that it'll alter your DNA, does that mean that they will have a corporate lean, so to speak, against your own body, against your own DNA? Are you going to become property as a result of this? So I think Trump's support began to become soft precisely because of the narrative that people were perceiving, myself included, him and Fausti pushing. Now, he backed off of that, incidentally, and I think very suggestively for my hypothesis here, he backed off of that a couple months prior to the election. He distanced himself from Fausti, he brought in another doctor, and so on and so forth. I but think the bottom he was line is they're still pushing this vaccine thing. Right. And when they roll that out and say everybody has to have it, that's when you're going to have pushback. Mm-hmm. You're going to have major pushback. This has really been my issue with Trump supporters because they are talking like, oh, well, Trump's wise to all these agendas and he's draining (laughs) the swamp, of course, and he's he's for vaccine freedom. And, well, on the surface, I definitely prefer Trump's COVID approach to Biden's because Biden's, of course, seems so nanny state-ish and so fear-based. And, like, if you want a national lockdown, you know, vote for Biden because that's what you'll get. But I do wonder if this is just all a show because he pushed Operation Warp Speed. He gave a billion dollars to the Gavi Vaccine Alliance. And why hasn't Trump ever brought the alternative voices to the podium? 
I feel like he could have done a lot more to push back on the COVID agenda if he wanted to. Bring up Dr. Judy Mikovits. Bring up Dr. Shiva. Have a press conference and say, look, we're going to talk all day, all day, eight hours to experts and PhDs who disagree with the CDC on this. We're going to look at alternative data. He never did that. He just kind of let Fauci control the narrative. And it seems like his resistance is only surface level. Bingo, you just expressed exactly my profound anxiety over this whole thing because nowhere was any alternative scientific point of view ever presented either on the major networks or by the Trump administration. And this is my big problem. I mean, right now, Greg, I live in a city where there is a rhino of a mayor. I mean, talk about a real piece of work who has rammed this mask mandate ordinance through the city council and every week he gives these press conferences where he's regurgitating the narrative the CDC and there's such an absence of any countervailing scientific opinion that a couple of doctors have initiated a class action lawsuit against him precisely because they question the science so yes I'm in full agreement with you there is and are doctors out there questioning the whole narrative and they are being silenced they are not being given any time of day and for the most part they are trying to make their case on the alternative media because they cannot get any time on the national networks I mean Look at faux news and Sean Vanity, for example. He's been four square on board with this Fausti COVID WHO narrative since it all began. And there's no attempt to understand that there are other scientific views out there. And quite frankly, I think people need to be aware of those views so that they can make some intelligent decisions for their lives and for their family and for their children. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, are you going to take a vaccine that has been rushed into production without knowing the consequences? And I'll tell you something else. The United Kingdom is already preparing for the fact that, you know, everybody gets these vaccines and there are going to be some people that will die from them or be irreparably harmed from them. They're already preparing for so, you know, we're back to the old Salk polio vaccine. We rush that into production and, oh, come to find out after you take the vaccine, some of you your kids come down polio. with polio. Yeah. You know, so, again, I think if they try to make a vaccine federally mandatory, there is going to be real pushback, or even at a state level, there's going to be real pushback. I ain't taking it. I want to know what intergenerational studies they've done on people who've received it or you know animal guinea pigs i want to know long term ordinarily vaccines go through that kind of trial process anyway not to say that even with that that they're all that trustworthy remember that italian study where they studied a bunch of standard vaccines and found all sorts of crud in them that they couldn't even identify including including nanoparticles 
Exactly. I was going to eventually bring that up as well because we did mention it last time. And then, of course, it ties in with the story of Dr. Charles Lieber, who was that Harvard chemistry professor who was arrested at the beginning of the year for not disclosing his relationship with the Wuhan virology lab. And his specialty was nanotechnology. Ding, ding, yep. ding. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're in a rush to get this whole, you know, and that's why I think this whole COVID thing's up. I mean, my word, folks. And I hate to put it this way, and I'm sure there's going to be some sort of medical expert out there that's just absolutely going to slam me in the comments. But for crying out loud, we're dealing with the flu. <laughs> and, well, that's the other thing is it seems flu-like, but at the same time, there are some very radical reactions that are very strange from person to person, even within the same families. And yes. I've kind of been living my life as if there is no risk, but I don't think that's exactly true either. I guess the, I agree. the 5G link is still in the mix, but... What are your most recent thoughts on what this COVID-19 thing actually is? What is making people sick? Because we can't say that there aren't some people getting sick. Well, we can't say that there aren't people dying from right. from whatever this is, because there clearly are. Don't take me as one of these people that thinks it's just all a big hoax. Right. No, I don't think that. I think it is a media-driven social engineering response to it. In other words, I think they have so ginned up panic about it that I can only think either they know something they're not telling or they have seized on this as a crisis of opportunity to drive a social engineering political agenda. Now, I lean towards the latter presently, but this virus is so strange, particularly in the way that you look at the response of people to it, we shut down churches and casinos, but it's okay to protest. Oh, well, we should reopen the casinos. Everybody has to socially distance, but you can't go to church. And if you go to church, you can't take the sacraments. And, you know, on and on this goes. So that tells me right there that they're using this to achieve political and cultural agendas. But once you say that, the fact that the virus itself behaves so very strangely, like you say, family members, people that are genetically related, you know, particularly children, having different responses to it. That's what is so puzzling to me. So I'm thinking, and I have thought and entertained the speculation that what if this is somehow a bioelectrically activated virus? Mm -hmm. In other words, you get infected with it and then subjected to certain electromagnetic conditions in the environment and it activates and becomes terribly virulent in some cases yes and by the same token we know that certain people are more predisposed to greater adverse reactions than others and then in the middle of that we have this really strange study out of france and I, I lashed onto this because, as you know, when I talk on these interviews, I like to chain smoke. So there's a study in France that comes out and says, well, smokers are 19% less likely to get any real severe COVID response. And I thought, well, okay, why nicotine? You know, why is that the case? Right. So nothing about this virus makes any sense to me. In other words, it's not behaving like a standard virus. 
Yes, I agree. And there are a lot of indications that these corporations have been testing these vaccines and meddling right. with things in this area well before the outbreak happened. And right. so I'm curious how deep that goes. I like what you said about uh, bioelectrically activated because it's kind of 5G adjacent, but 5G yeah. seems like a little too simple of an explanation, but this makes a little more sense. It makes me wonder if maybe they knew that when they rolled out this huge level change in the electrical environment with 5G, they knew people would be damaged and maybe this vaccine has been designed to not counter a virus, but to alter RNA so that people aren't as versely affected by it or are affected in a way that's maybe more controllable to the elite. It seems related, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm scratching my head too. Yes, I'm going to light up my anti-COVID stick here. Yes. But, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me that they knew something and are trying to do this as some sort of preventative, but then there's another interesting response to some of the vaccines that have been under human trials in the United Kingdom. And it's a very strange one, but I think it should be noted that one of the people that received one of these trial vaccines in the UK came out and said they've killed God. That was the response to the vaccine. Wow. In other words, there was a spiritual or intellectual response to it. And oddly enough, in the UK, the trials have had a lot of people responding to the vaccine with neurological problems. So, you know, again, I think there's perhaps a much deeper agenda that goes to transhumanism with this idea that you're going to have a new type of vaccine that plays around with mitochondrial RNA. You know, and that's, let's face it, folks, that is a new thing. Yes. That they're trying to push here. And this is definitely in the wheelhouse of something I wanted to make sure I asked you about because in one of your articles, you end it by saying, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, Christ warns not to fear those that can kill the body, but the soul. Right. And this does look like we're increasingly dealing with people who want to do both. And yeah. those spiritual aspects of the agenda are another thing I wonder about. It's interesting that a lot of researchers are connecting COVID-19 to the electromagnetic systems of the body. But I've also heard researchers equate the soul to the electromagnetic aspects of the self or the light body, et cetera, et cetera, these unseen parts of ourselves. So we are kind of in that mix. What are your thoughts on a spiritual component to the whole thing rather than just a say, genetic surveillance one? Could they be trying to disrupt the soul cycle or something far out like that? Well, in my blog yesterday on my website, and I'll give people the title of it, it's called Engdahl on that Pfizer vaccine. So they can go to my website and look up that blog. I pointed out that genetics in the last decade and a half through studying genetic haplogroups of humanity, you know, taking samples from all over the world, reached the conclusion that we all share mitochondrial RNA from a common mother whom geneticists call mitochondrial Eve. 
to me that was revolutionary because I grew up in an education system and I'm using quotation marks around both words that taught the theory of evolution as disproving all of those old biblical Mesopotamian and Egyptian myths about common parents to all of humanity so along comes mitochondrial Eve and what they're telling you is we're all genetically related we're all you know sisters and brothers quite literally in a genetic sense in terms of having a common mother and in the blog I speculate well that's one way you would try to remake humanity and disconnect humanity quite literally from the species of homo sapiens sapiens is alter that mitochondrial RNA Mm -hmm. and the other way you would do it so in other words here's a little prediction if that's their agenda if that really is the deep deep agenda then the other thing they're going to try and do is geneticists also discovered that when you examine the Y chromosome in human males only males carry the Y chromosome so when you examine the Y chromosome in human males lo and behold it appears that we all descend from some common male ancestor whom geneticists call Y chromosomal Adam so if the agenda is to tinker with DNA sufficiently to change the species and disconnect it from that long historical genetic heritage that we call homo sapiens sapiens the other thing you're going to do is alter Y chromosomes Hmm. now if that's the case if that is the agenda if we're looking at a real transhumanist agenda to create a new humanity the question is why do you then become by dint of those modifications as I said before do you then become property of whoever's doing these modifications that's huge that's huge you remember what Charles Ford said way back in the 1920s I think we're property (laughs) yes I do love that provocative quote and if you listen to some of the people in our alternative community that are focused on the straw man corporation stuff They make the case that in a legal sense, we are already property, or at least that we inadvertently represent some legal fiction. Uh And I don't know. I tend to take that stuff with a bit of a grain of salt. It is interesting, but I just don't know how important it actually is. But maybe this is kicking it up a notch. We know they think like this. Maybe now we won't just represent some shell corporation on paper under maritime law, but like GMO proprietary corporate seeds we're going to have proprietary corporate people yeah under new ownership basically it's like the vaccine is like a sign hanging out in front of a store under new ownership only in this case the store is humanity itself so you know there's a lot going on here you know that is very very deep and that's what i find so disturbing about the fact that both sides are pushing but one narrative about this covid vaccine stuff and the counter-indicating science is not given any time whatsoever on any major international or national platform. And that should upset everybody. Yes, I think people really should wrestle with that idea. Like, what is this PCR test even looking for? What is it even finding? 
and this relates to an article you had posted back in August called, Are These COVID Tests Searching for Quote-Unquote Someone? And, you know, you get into this very idea that what they're detecting with this PCR test is a sequence found in all human DNA, which implies that, yes, there will be a ton of positives if you amplify the sample enough times. Right. But also, the test isn't for a virus, but the presence of this genetic marker all humans should have. So it adds a layer to that idea that if they're looking for someone like the victims of an ET hybriding program under the guise of a virus, yep. this is how you would weed those people out. Yeah, and by the way, take your vaccine and become a hybrid. <laughs> you know, because the earliest papers that I saw on this mitochondrial RNA vaccine idea, some of those papers were arguing that it was deliberately designed to alter your your DNA. So, again, is this an attempt to place humanity under new ownership, so to speak? And is it an attempt to if we're going to the ET a hybridization idea is an attempt to make us more like the hybrids you know uh, who knows mm. but at this stage Greg I've seen so much strange stuff in my life particularly since I started this strange research book writing career I've seen so much strange stuff I would put nothing past these people mm -hmm. and I really wanted to add another layer while we're on this subject because one of my favorite angles of yours was that the invasion of Iraq had more to do with important ancient archaeological sites and maybe even ancient weapons and that the looting of the Baghdad Museum was a big aspect of that. Oh, yes. Well, there is a little piece of information that might relate to that where apparently in the recent declassification of some of Hillary Clinton's emails... Yep. Someone found this list of U.S. Department of State FOIA requests, and one reads, quote, requesting documents relating to the resurrection chamber of Gilgamesh, <laughs> the location of his body, and the location of buried Nephilim. I mean, what the hell? What you say, you know, could be nothing. It could be just, uh, you know, nothing too major, maybe just a find and recover attempt to return Iraq's antiquities. But as you say, if... One speculated that they might still be around somehow or even mingled more into the human population, infiltrating it, so to speak, then the only way to find out if that indeed occurred would be to obtain DNA samples from corpses, yep. do the requisite sequencing on the corpses, and then and only then returning them to Iraq. Right. One would then have to test almost the entire human population or at least large swaths of it and one could never admit the reasoning for doing so. One would need to do it under cover of some other activity, say, for example, testing for a virus during a planned scamdemic. Yep. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's very provocative. I don't know if I like it, but I like the idea of it that it is uh, something to this magnitude. Have you seen anything else that would suggest that or lend credence to it other than this random FOIA request? Well, no, I haven't. I tossed that out there because it was such a strange story in the midst of all of this that I was kind of hoping that other people might know something and pass it along, but, you know, nothing nothing happened. I didn't get any nipples, but let's put it in context here. How strange is it for the United States Department of State to be doing FOIA requests and 
trying to dig around and find out information about the tomb of Gilgamesh and Nephilim corpses. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. And this, this, incidentally, under the most supposedly rational, science-driven inheritance in the world, Hillary Clinton. You know, this might be something we might expect from Hobby Lobby, but not the U.S. Department of State under a supposedly rational, secularist, science-driven person like Hillary Clinton. But yet, there it is, you know. So, again, to me, that's a little bit of prima facie evidence that we're dealing with people that pretend they're one thing to the public eye, but the real agenda is something very, very old, very occult, and very dark. So, to me, that's just another story that tends to confirm that there's something very deep going on with this COVID thing and this mad rush to get everybody to take a vaccine that has tinkered with mitochondrial RNA in it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to take a vaccine that might make me grow to be 18 feet tall and have two rows of teeth. And, you know, <laughs> Six fingers and toes. <laughs> I just don't want to do that. Yes, the occult motivations, the spiritual motivations, those are the most provocative and interesting to me, but it just seems like we have so little to go on except for the fact that we know that they care about these things, and it is a, a deep part of their worldview. They just barely ever let it out, and in something like this, it has to be a component because of that background we know about. Them. Right. Again, it's one story that's out there, and what we were given in that story was a list of inquiries that the State Department was making, but we are not told the results of the inquiries. There's no content of what the inquiries resulted in. So, you know, it's pure speculation on my part. But again, on the other hand, I do regard it as prima facie evidence that there is some sort of agenda here that has to deal with the modification of human DNA itself. In other words, that which marks us out as a unique species within the genus Homo. So is there some sort of esoteric agenda behind all this? I absolutely think there is. I mean, we're, we're being told, Greg, to wear, you know, feeder bags, like, you know, with these danged masks. Well, I'm sorry. These dang masks are like trying to erect a chain link fence to keep out a sandstorm. You know, that's about how much good they'll do. Yes. So there's a social engineering aspect to this to get everybody compliant, obedient, and so on and so forth. There's no doubt in my mind that they're up to something and we have yet to figure out what it is. And it's not good. No, not at all. And maybe we'll all be techno sapiens when this is all said and done at least that might be what they want us to be well yeah i think they want to turn us into cyborgs mm -hmm. you know bill gates idea of having a vaccine have. with an injectable tattoo that monitors your health so that you can get downloaded updates to your vaccine like the microsoft model of windows i'm sorry no thank you right <laughs> the updates never really worked that well for windows precisely <laughs> Man, so as we're getting near the end of the line here and probably having our last conversation of 2020, I wanted to get a little serious here and ask you about mental health. 
this holiday season is going to be like no other. Mm-hmm. Families completely conflicted over getting together, many people being alone. Mm-hmm. There could be some screwy election reversals that cause widespread reactions. Mm-hmm. And I just feel the amount of pressure people are under is almost too intense for some to bear. I told you I'm aware of a recent suicide, and I've gotten several emails from listeners that sound like they're very close to the edge as well. What is your best advice for staying mentally or spiritually strong through the end of 